Hey there, Sports History fan. Arnie Chapman here from the Sports History Network. Now, before you jump into this episode, I wanted to share with you an exciting giveaway we have going on with Homefield Apparel. We have a digital $50 gift card to homefieldapparel.com for one lucky fan of the Sports History Network. All you got to do is head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways to sign up. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways. This is Basketball History 101 with Rick Loiza. Welcome back to Basketball History 101. I am your host, Rick Loiza. This is the podcast where we bring to life some of the forgotten stories from basketball history. And today we're going to talk about one of the great players in Golden State Warriors history. His number 14 jersey is hanging in the rafters alongside those of Rick Barry, Nate Thurman, and Will Chamberlain. His name is Tom Meshery, but you've probably never heard of him. And that's exactly why we do this podcast, to make sure we don't forget players like this. And the reason that his story stuck out to me is because of his extremely unusual path to the NBA. His path crosses multiple continents, and here is where it starts. He is actually related to the Russian literary giant Leo Tolstoy, who wrote War and Peace and Anna Karenina among other works. But as far as I know, he's probably the only NBA player to publish a book of original poetry while he was still playing the game. He is an expert in both English and Russian literature. He was born with the name Tomaslav Nikolaevich Mesheryakov, and he was born to Russian parents. But he was born in Harbin, Manchuria, China. That's quite a long distance from Russia. You see, Meshery is descended from Tsarist nobility. In other words, his family was the upper class of the upper class in Russian society. And that was not a good thing to be when Vladimir Lenin and his Bolshevik party took control of Petrograd in 1917. Now, I'm not going to pretend that I'm an expert in Russian history, so I'm going to just give you the big picture. Besides, this is a basketball history podcast not a Russian history podcast. So, Lenin's Bolshevik Revolution occurs and it leads to a larger Russian Revolution over the next five or six years. Basically, Russia used to be ruled by a Tsar, which is the Russian word for Caesar. In other words, Russia was ruled by a king, but the Soviet party didn't want a king and wanted to bring power to the people. So as part of the revolution, the Soviets executed the king and his entire family so as to leave no heirs. Again, Meshery's family was nobility in this society, and they were also a target for execution. So they escaped to China to save their own lives. Now, let's fast forward about 15 years. His family has been living in China that entire time, and that's where Meshery was born in 1938. His father then decided that it was time to move to America, especially as fighting between China and Japan was escalating. After all this time, it was now unsafe for the family in China. Japan wanted desperately to conquer China and subdue its people. That's actually why Japan struck America at Pearl Harbor in 1941. The Japanese wanted to continue attacking China 
without the Americans interfering. The United States had already committed to helping China defend itself against Japan. So after the attack at Pearl Harbor, with the United States temporarily out of commission in the Pacific, Japan was able to go after China with no one to stop them. It is here that we come back to the story of the Mesheries. Tom Meshery's father had made it to America by himself and settled in the San Francisco Bay Area. He was sending for his family when they were captured by the Japanese and sent to an internment camp for the next six years. It was actually in that camp where Christian missionaries taught young Tom how to speak English, which would come in very handy later on. When World War II ended, the Meshery family was able to make it to California and reunite with the father who had been waiting for them this whole time. Now that they were reunited, it was time to make another change. The father decided to anglicize their name. Having a Russian name during the 1940s in the United States would severely limit their ability to pursue the American dream. At the time, America was not comfortable with Soviet Russia. In fact, American culture in general was antagonistic towards anything having to do with Russia. So it was at this point where the family decides to change their name and Tomislav Nikolaevich Mesheryakov becomes Thomas Nicholas Meshery, or Tom for short. As a child, he was often bullied and ostracized because he spoke with a noticeable Russian accent and he was still trying to master the English language. He would often come home from school crying because the other kids made fun of him. But one day, he was playing kickball in the schoolyard. It was his turn to kick, and he kicked the ball so hard that he was able to run around all four bases and score before getting tagged. That's the day his life in America changed. He realized that he was bigger, stronger, and faster than the other kids and he could use his athleticism to become popular. And that's exactly what happened. He grew to a height of six foot six or 198 centimeters, and he was well coordinated and quick. He became the star of the high school basketball team at Lowell High School in San Francisco, and he was named a Parade All-American as a senior. He then moved on to play for St. Mary's College in California, where he was again named an All-American his senior year. And then it was off to the NBA. And we'll talk about his NBA career right after this break. Welcome back to our story. Meshery was drafted by the Philadelphia Warriors as the seventh pick in the first round of the 1961 NBA draft where he played alongside Wilt Chamberlain as the team's new forward. In fact, Meshery was in the starting lineup on the night that Wilt had his 100-point game. Meshery also led the league in personal fouls that year. By his own admission, he had a quick temper and was always ready to fight with anyone who wanted a piece of him. And this is how he earned the nickname, The Mad Russian. Then, after just one year of playing in Philadelphia, the team relocates to San Francisco, which was, of course, Meshery's hometown. He made his only All-Star appearance during that second season in the league in 1963, where he became the first foreign-born player to be an NBA All-Star. 
He was a tenacious rebounder and defender. Meshri was the kind of guy whose motor was always running. To use a modern phrase, he left it all on the court every single night. He only knew one speed to play in, and that was full speed. In total, he only played with the Warriors for five seasons. But he made such an impact, and he was so loved by the fans, that his number 14 is now retired. He then played five more seasons for the brand new Seattle Supersonics, and those were fairly uneventful seasons of basketball. The biggest thing that happened to him during his years as a Sonic was that he published his first book of original poetry called Over the Rim. Upon retiring from the game, he needed to figure out what his next move was. While NBA salaries were excellent salaries by the 1970s, it typically wasn't enough money to last for a person retiring in his early 30s. Most all players had to look for a second career. So he interviewed for a position as a professor in the English department of Evergreen College in Washington. But in a surprise move, he decided he would like to take some time to give back as a member of the Peace Corps. Well, that didn't last long as President Nixon cut the funding for the Peace Corps and Meshri's job was eliminated. So maybe he was going to be a professor after all. But a basketball team came calling and they needed a new head coach. He was hired by the ABA's Carolina Cougars. And since he was already a professional writer, a publishing company in New York asked him to keep a diary of his first season as head coach of the Cougars. That diary would become his second published book called Caught in the Pivot. It chronicled his first and only season as head coach at the professional level. He was fired at the end of the season as the Cougars finished in last place. He was frustrated by the endeavor and at that point completely walked away from basketball. He could not understand how his players did not give 100% every game the way that he used to. It just didn't make any sense to him and not worth it. So he threw himself into his other passion, which was poetry and other fiction writing. He earned his master's degree at the University of Iowa and then studied with the United States Poet Laureate Mark Strand at the University of Washington. But what to do after collecting all of these writing degrees? He spent the rest of his career teaching English at Reno High School in Reno, Nevada. He never did make the Basketball Hall of Fame, but he did make the Nevada Writers Hall of Fame for his work in fiction and poetry. He was one of those uncommon players in NBA history who had other passions besides the game. Most players can only think of one thing, and that's basketball. And that's fine. To achieve the success that most of these players do, you have to have a laser-like focus on your craft to become one of the world's best. But it is refreshing to come across a player who has this whole other passion that has nothing to do with the game. Compared to other professional athletes, Meshery is practically a renaissance man. Meshery is now retired and living in Sacramento, California, where he still writes and publishes his work. If you are interested in reading his blog called Meshery's Musings, I'll put the link in the description. He is definitely a one-of-a-kind character in the annals of basketball history. His contributions to both basketball and literature are worth remembering, and so is his story. I mean, we started in Tsarist Russia, then moved to pre-communist Imperial China, moved to a Japanese internment camp, 
then San Francisco, Philadelphia, back to San Francisco, Seattle, North Carolina, Reno, Nevada, and finally Sacramento. It's amazing where life can take someone. And it is equally amazing where some of our finest NBA players come from. There is not one path to the NBA, and Meshri proves that. So, that's it for today. Join us next time as we explore the beginning of the women's game. We'll talk about the first official game played by women at Smith College in Massachusetts. In those early days, the women played 9 against 9, and we'll talk about how that eventually developed to the standard 5 on 5 that we see today. That's next time on Basketball History 101. If you like what you hear, please hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. And check out our page on Facebook. It's called Basketball History 101 Podcast. There you will find shorter historical posts as well as comments and discussion starters on today's game. I'll also announce there when new episodes come out. I want to thank my producer and editor, Jacob Loiza. Join us each week as we continue to mine the history of basketball for more great stories from the past. Take care and see you soon. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. This is Mark Mortier, and if you're a sports history fan like me, tune in and hear me talk about some great sports moments of the past. Growing up during the 1970s, I got to watch some of the most iconic moments in sports history. Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's home run record. Willis Reed limping out of the locker room in Game 7 of the NBA Finals at Madison Square Garden as the fans erupted with a thunderous ovation. The 1980 Miracle on Ice as Team USA defeated the powerful Soviet Union in the Olympics. Listen every Tuesday on Yesterday's Sports. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.